What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome back to Bullpen Chatter. For our first-time listeners, this is episode two. And if you missed episode one with Noah Sharp, definitely check that out. And now moving on to episode two, we have a very special guest today who I have a lot of respect for. He's a former active duty Marine, a TJ survivor, and a Juco bandit. Welcome to our second call to the bullpen is Anthony Silkwood. Welcome to the show, Anthony. What's going on, man? Glad to be here. Glad to have you on. So how's it been? COVID-19 just kind of screwing everything up with the season. How's it been kind of still working through that? Uh, I mean, it's been pretty good. I mean, I think the biggest part is, is like, I'm staying busy and stuff. And, you know, I'm remodeling my dad's basement. So that's keeping me busy. And lifting weights has become a, you know, become a tough task. And for sure, like whoever, it's like someone who had weights before this whole thing happened. It was basically now a doomsday prepper because it's, it's hard to come by a place to lift. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to stay busy as much as I can. And, you know, these, these, these things make it a little easier. You can talk and he's talked to somebody, you know, it's yeah. weird. You got to get, you got to do that social distance somehow, right? Right. <laughs> so you, you still been able to throw, be able to get your baseball side of work into? Oh yeah. I haven't missed a throwing day since like this whole thing happened. Um, you know, I go outside or I got, I find a place where I can do it inside and, you know, I have a guy here, uh, Charlie earlier. He's from Parkland, uh, we throw together and we're actually going to throw today. So, you know, we make sure we get our stuff in and, and do everything. Just kind of wait and see. Obviously, we don't know what we're getting ready for because I don't know if there's going to be a summer ball. Um, so we're kind of just staying ready, I guess. Right. And for those of you guys listening, those of you who don't know, Anthony's kind of had of an unconventional route to college baseball. Like I said earlier, he was an active duty Marine, I believe, for five years. So, Anthony, kind of want to kind of like touch on like your journey through the Marines and why you kind of chose that route? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was like a typical high school kid. Um, all I cared about was, you know, drinking and, and girls, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like a lot of kids do uh, a little too much. Um, so, like, my whole family was athletic and athletic genes and whatnot, and I decided that I was going to join the Marines because, you know, I wasn't going to play in college. I wasn't going to do college because I wasn't really academically sound. Mm-hmm. Um so I, so one day I went down to the recruiter's office, joined the Marines, didn't tell my dad. Um, the next day I told my dad that I joined. He about killed me. Um, <laughs> but it was the greatest thing I ever did. So, you know, I did that. And then um, once I got in, you know, for like the first two years, um, first two years I really was into it. And I was like, I, you know, I could do this for a long time. And, you know, after deployment I came back and – just kind of watched a lot of baseball. Went to a little event at High Point University, and that made me like watching it and like being there and taking batting practice on the field and throwing a little bit. It was just like, yeah, I got to get out and play. I miss. I'm at so like the last, you know, two years of my time in. I just really miss baseball, and it was yeah. definitely, it was definitely tough. Did you actually go overseas? I did. Uh, so 2014, 2015, I deployed to the Middle East. Um, you know, like the Arabian Peninsula, and it, it was a good time. Um, got to see a lot of things that are, you know, I never got to see before. I got to, it really changed my opinion over um, the Muslim culture. Like, I got to see, I had interpreters that were just 
awesome and just the people there are awesome. It, it completely changed my perspective of everybody, you know, in the Middle East. So it was definitely, you know, it was definitely a life-changing experience for me. Um, it was definitely a good time. Um, you know, I, it, it was definitely like something I, I, I'm so glad I did. I wouldn't change my route for anything in the world because I, I got to experience so much. So going on that with your, your background in the Marines, how is that? Has, would you say it's made you a better baseball player as far as the toughness that you've got instilled there? Oh, yeah. I You know, I think the mental toughness is the biggest part is, is just like it, it gave me a structure. And that's kind of what I needed at the age of 18. I had no structure. I was just like I was I thought I knew everything. I knew nothing. So, right. you know, as far as like the mental toughness side of it, you know, I don't get like things don't bother me like, um, you know, runners on, on base, like that, stuff like that. It doesn't. I don't get phased by it. It's just because it, it, it's so like little right. in, the, in the scheme of things. And I, so I, I just, I just really block stuff out like that. And um, I think what the biggest thing what it was it does is it makes me like very like routine oriented, like getting something done a certain way. And like being in the military, it's everything. You do things a certain way and you do it over and over and over again. And it's like, I did that with my throwing and my TJ rehab because I took it seriously. I took my rest days as seriously as I take my throwing days. So it's like I was – I think that helped me more as far as, like, my maturity and, like, how my the life experience was, like, um, as far as making a schedule and a routine and whatnot. So, like you said, like, you're coming back in those last two years starting to miss baseball. Were you able to do anything baseball-related while you were in the service? Yeah, so I didn't do anything with baseball. Um you know, I, I didn't know where to even begin. I knew when I got out, I was going to start, I was going to play for fun um, and see if I could play in college. And then when I was in, though, I played about every weekend that I could. Obviously, when I was deployed for the nine months, I couldn't do it. Right. So I, I played a lot of softball. Okay. And I was like, I was really, I was pretty good. So <laughs> at, at one point in my last year, I was in it for about three or four months. I got to go play on the, the all, like the Marine Corps softball team and, then I went and played on Team USA against guys who like get paid to play softball and like their names are on bats. So wow. it was, it, it, yeah, it kept me on the most competitive edge. Like even like not playing baseball, but like something similar to it. It was just, it was a blast, and it made me, you know, really miss the game even more. I know, I know you're a, you're a PO now, but you get to swing the bat in a little bit of softball. Oh yeah, see, I played third base and I. I hit a lot, um, so it was, it was definitely that was definitely my thing. Um, third base is an absolute hot, the hot corner in softball. Um, no shot, I could do that one. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's not something that I would, uh, I would do again. Like I was yeah, <laughs> back now, I was like, my God, like what was I thinking? I got hit in the face before. Like it's just not good. Did you uh, did you wear a mask? No, I only time I wore a mask was when I had basic eye surgery and okay. I was told by my doctor not to do anything. And uh, I was like, no, I'm playing. so I got myself a little mask and I played like a week after LASIK eye surgery, which I probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little sketchy there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's dude, it's it was interesting. So going from the, the Marines transitioning back into college baseball or just baseball in general in college what was that kind of like being a little bit older trying to find a school it was a 
it was kind of tough. So, like, I'm not one to kind of, like, you know, you see all the guys on Twitter and a lot of guys all over the place. They're like, they make this persona that they've been underrated their whole life and everybody's been against them kind of thing. And, like, I called at least 15, probably, I think it was 13 or 13 to 15 different schools and was like, hey, you know, I'm getting out of the Marines. I want to play baseball. I got laughed at. I got told they didn't have room. Like, I, there's a lot of things that happen. And then Greg Wathen at John Wood was so stoked about it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go there. You know, he, he was just like, okay, let's go. Um, he was the only one that really gave me a chance. And, like, you know, I, I, I'll never forget that. It was, it was definitely the coolest feeling because at the end of the day, it was like, no, I was getting laughed at. You know what I mean? Right. So and, it's, and I don't ever talk about stuff like that, but like it's it's just fun, you know. You look back on it, it's like if you everything you do, it's like everything I've done in baseball since I've been put back into it has had a purpose and had a reason, and it's it's pretty cool to look back on. So like some of these coaches, like were they just like you're kind of crazy, or like what were you 23, 24 at the time? Yeah, I was twenty three, about to turn twenty four, and I I'll never forget one of them was what makes you think you can play baseball at this level, I, and that that was something I'll never forget i'll never remember i'll never i'll never forget it um and it was just one of those things like i just always kind of keep that with me and like you know you don't i'm not one to like blast it out there and like it's like i, I think that's kind of you know marcus stromany right like, you know so it's like i you just have that you know in the back of your head you're like man at one point in time this guy told me i couldn't play at his junior college so it's you know that was but fun are you did you i know illinois had a a guy who was also, a, I believe, he's in the Marines as well. Do, yeah. do, you, do you know Josh Harris? He was my roommate for two years. Really? Yeah. So that's, he fit, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was uh, it was it was really cool. Like so, like, well, I guess a year and a half. So like, I when he he committed to Illinois is when I committed to Parkland. Um, but I knew I needed surgery, so I like we were like, hey, I had I had messaged him like, hey, you're going to Illinois, I'm going to Parkland. Like, let's live together. He was he was like let's yeah let's let's do roommates because like we were both older we both didn't want to live with kids, right? You know because like it's 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 one of those, it's kind of, it's really tough like it's tough living with people under the age of twenty one as right. a twenty you know at that time twenty you know you start thinking of things like you know if I have beer in the fridge which I don't, I don't even you know, hardly ever anymore and it's like if I have alcohol in the fridge and he drinks it and drives like am I gonna get you know Rex's car so it's like it's one of those things like I'm very like careful about it and so was he and we just hit it off and we were roommates and I had surgery and I made him help me out with things all right. the time because I had one arm um but yeah he had he had a good time um we were I, I, when I moved back and this you know for the spring season we became roommates again um it was a great time uh definitely miss hanging out with him and you know sucks to have how his, how his season ended too so I think he's gonna yeah was it? I'm sure you guys have like similar things. Like, with, did, did he go? He went to Kaskaskia, right? Uh, Kankakee. Kankakee, yeah. So it's, I'm sure it was a similar thing with him getting out. Coach is kind of, kind of sketchy about it, and then him, which he's a he's a lefty, right? Yeah, he actually got told no. Like he he was throwing on video is up to like 90 as a lefty. And there's an article about that. Yeah. That's yeah. That's insane. Like I couldn't like, I'm left like I'm left I'm a left-handed pitcher. I like I'm only throwing in the mid 80s, and they're telling a guy throwing 90 though. Like that's crazy. 
they weren't even that good. Like they're not even. Yeah. They're just like, like I was. I mean, just because it's his age, I don't know. Like that just blows my mind. Well, it's something I've learned too. I think it's a power thing, you know. Like this guy, you know, he was he's he was bearded up and he was tatted up and, you know, it's some people like to have that that feeling of power and you know and that's kind of the coaches like you know I, I try to stay away from and you know if you like if you feel like you can't control somebody then you don't recruit them or whatever so yeah that, that could be it you know Josh's mm-hmm. a good dude he's respectful you know it's just he looks a little intimidating right and his how age, is it? Say that again? his age hit him hard he's got a receding hairline he's he's <laughs> a, dude he looks he looks 30 so he got the age bug hard Dang. so kind of talk about what like you touched on a little bit earlier what's it like being out of junior college at uh, you're 27 now yeah just turned 27 so what's that like kind of being like with the age difference i know you kind of touched on it with luke smith the other day on on your youtube deal where you're talking about you're like i'm 27 chirping at an 18 year old like <laughs> yeah i mean you know i have that thing where you know it, it's not that bad what what i make sure the players know is like you know, what people, what players say around me doesn't go to the coaches. Right. What the coaches say around me doesn't go to the players. Like, I'm in a weird spot where it's like, you know, I'm a big loyalty guy. So it's like, you know, I make sure the players know that, like, hey, like, you're fine to talk to me. Like, I'm not going to say anything. You know, I'm open door, stuff like that. And, like, I'm cool with a lot of the guys. And it's just weird. Only thing that, only thing that's changed is, like, the weekend. What they do on the weekend is completely the opposite of what I do on the weekend. Right. Without a doubt, um, as you can imagine. So that's really the only thing, you know, I, I like being around younger dudes. Like, I think it's fun. I think they keep me young. Mm-hmm. Some of them might have made me lose a little bit of hair, but. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, God, some of them. But it, it's it's all good fun. And, you know, I, I, def, I definitely like it. I, you know, it's just like, you know, I don't, I don't go out with them on the weekends, but, you know, I always talk to them throughout the week and whatnot. So it's, it's right. a good time. So is it kind of like that middle situation you kind of like, being like that that player coach per se, kind of like helping those guys out. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely definitely wasn't a coach, but like with the age difference and stuff. Right. Like, that's what I, that's what I'm getting out there. Yeah. yeah, I acted more like a coach most of the time outside of baseball than I did a player, just because obviously like it's an age thing. Like I can't be I can't be going to the apartment complexes at midnight. <laughs> I just, I'm a big you know that's just not me who I am, and I just don't think that would be a good look. Um, so yeah, I was, I was definitely pretty good about that. So it was like, was your coaching staff, like how, what's kind of like the age of your coaching staff there? Oh, I'm older than everybody, but one coach. Okay. So like, so like I'm older than the coaches and it, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, and that's kind of like why I am the way I am and like why I don't do things, you know, it's just like, I, for sure. Like I, I'm, I realize that and I don't like do anything crazy and, you know, with the assistant coaches, they're 24, 25, maybe, 24, 23. Right. And head coach is like 32. So I'm closer to the head coach. I'm really close with John Goble. I think he's a great dude and will definitely be good. We're, we're definitely going to stay in touch throughout life. So, so is, it a lot, is it a lot different, like a lot different relationship than you've ever had with other coaches just because of that age difference, kind of being so close? I don't think it's even about the age. Like, I, I think – you know, Gobel and I are really close with a guy named Mike Waldo, who is 65, you know, years old. It was his pitching coach in high school. He's my coach the summer I got out. 
But, like, I don't think it's the age thing. I think it's the fact that Goble, like, did so much for me. Like, I was never going to pitch for Parkland. You know, I was going to go there. I was going to do Tommy John rehab. Mm-hmm. In the summer, I was going to commit to a school, and I was going to go on, and I did that. And then, you know, that's when I had the opportunity to kind of come back. But, like, I, I think it's because he did so much for me. And it's, like, that's where, like, my loyalty is. It's like, you know, like people do so much for you. Like, you should be able to easily give back to them. And that's, you know, it, it's easy. You know, it was but, easy for me to decide to come back to Parkland at the break. Right. And you got to throw, I think it was three innings this year? before the, I, yeah. I had two starts, uh, six innings uh, total. It was okay. – I had a little bit, of, little bit of soreness, kept me out. And we decided to take a week off, and then coronavirus hit, and it was, and that was that. So in my year and a half at Parkland, I've thrown six innings. So was that your? Was that kind of? Was this your first time back live since TJ? No, so I threw live over the summer. Um, okay. Month, yeah, month eleven, I threw my first game. Uh, it was nine ninety one. Um, it was it was definitely a good time. I threw against Ohio State in the fall at Western Carolina. Um, absolutely shoved against them it's no big deal so that, <laughs> well, that, was, that was fun there was a lot of fans there probably two thousand fans there it was a lot of fun oh shit damn yeah. that atmosphere seems seems legit so how was it so like kind of you talked we talked a little bit earlier about kind of coaches telling you no coming out of the marines so like how what was it like actually being back as a player and then getting that velo up talking to division one schools yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things like you never think about it. And it's, you know, I have a hard time with it sometimes. Like, I think about this a lot. It's like, well, how hard, like, how good could I have been, you know, when I was 19 if I would have tried harder? So you think about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, I didn't grow. I didn't lift weights. Like, I was scrawny. I played shortstop and third base. So you start thinking about that. And then I remember it's like, nah, my route's what it is. And it's kind of like a surreal moment when you start talking to schools that you watch as a kid and you're like, you never think you could play almost at those places or with those right. And then now you're telling them no. Like you, 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 you turn them down or you decide to go elsewhere, you know. And it's, so, it's surreal. What are you right now? Are you, what are you, probably 6'3", 230-ish? Yeah, 6'3", like 220, I'm about 220, 225, so. 25. Yeah. For our, guy, for our guys listening now, if you haven't seen what he looks like, go to – look up Silkwood Anthony on Twitter and just look at his profile picture. The dude's massive, guys. Like he's def- definitely put the work in since high school. Yeah. No, I definitely found a love of the gym, you know. And I'm telling you, I used to be so shy to work out. Like when I was in the Marines, like you, I go in there. At the, I didn't even lift on base because of it. Like these dudes were just huge, huge, yeah, and just massive. And I was like, here I am, like little, you know, private first class Silkwood trying to lift weights, and I'm just <laughs> so small. So I started working out off base, and then I got big enough to where I, I felt confident. I felt confident enough to where I can go over there, and it, it was. It, I'm telling you, it's it's a little intimidating. You talk about a lot of testosterone in one little area. My God, I can't even imagine. Dude, absolute overload. So going through that whole process, like when you're talking to those schools, was it was it kind of different reaching out? Like, were they like, was it were they want, not wanting to take a chance on an older guy, but kind of coming off TJ as well? For like this this most recent time, yeah, or even like with whenever you committed to Western Carolina, yeah. So that was a tough one. Um, I had no really no statistical uh, figures. I had pretty good stats for my first year before I had Tommy John. Um, you know, I threw I threw about fifteen innings my first year. 
needing needing Tommy John surgery out of like the thirty that I threw. So I <laughs> I was in pain. But like for that, it was definitely tough because I was fresh off of it. This time around, it was a lot different. And I think you know, I, I looked at it differently. I talked to some different schools and, and there were some ones that I just I to this day it's you know you know, I'm I'm so happy with my decision and whatnot, but it's just like, dude, like some of these schools I would never have talked to in my life. And it's right. it, it made it made it kind of surreal. And like, you know, I, I've expressed to coaches that like when I'm when I'm done playing, like I can see myself going into coaching and I got to see a lot of that. Like when people call me and be like, Wow, yeah, I'm not gonna talk to to guys like that, that's for sure. Or like, you know, wow, I wanna talk to guys like that guy. You know what I mean? Mm. It's definitely you got to. I picked up on a lot more this time around on the recruiting side, and there was definitely a lot of really cool schools, and it was definitely there, nobody was really hesitant. You know, my tuition's free, so they saw right. that. You know, eyes light up. You know, for sure. <laughs> then you got a guy that can pump ninety two, ninety three, right. put ice on the cake. Oh yeah, it's it, it was definitely interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad it's over. I'm so stoked to be going to St. Mary's. So what kind of led to that uh, position? Or, what kind of led to your final decision for St. Mary's? Um, honestly, like I'm a huge like I'm a very big people person, and I'm very into like that. Um, so talking with all the coaches, you know, I liked every, every at the end of the day, I had like five schools out that, that came down, pretty much came down to, and and I, I was I've I very much like talking to all those coaches, and it was it was it was tough for me is like how that all worked and. You know, as far as like the situation of schooling and whatnot and the offers, like St. Mary's was, I, I, I would be dumb not to go there with, given, right. given the offers that I was kind of given. And, you know, it, it was tough. And you say no to schools that you dreamed of going to before. And it's, and it's something that you look forward to. And like talk, after talking with the coaches multiple times and hours of conversation, you start to realize that like that's where I needed to be. And it, it was it was a no brainer for me. Um, they, I, I thought about it long and hard for a couple weeks. Um, they sent me the offer on picture on paper, and I sat down with my dad, and I was like, "Dad, I'm gonna go here," and he's like, "You'd be stupid not to." And then I called, <laughs> I told him I'm coming, and I want to win, so that's that. And then now I'm gonna be a, had to Google what a gale is. I don't know what that is. I know I wrote that down on here. That's <laughs> one of my questions to ask you: is what is a gale? <laughs> right. It's I had I had to look it up. You know, you know, it's a like a yeah, it's one of those things where it's like a fighting Irish. I was gonna say it's like kind of like an Irish thing, like a Gaelic. Yeah. Okay. So you know, Catholic school. So you know, it's it, I had you know when you got Google a mascot, it's I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. It's <laughs> unique. So with St. Mary's, did you actually have you ever get to go to California and check it out? I've never actually been to St. Mary's, um, and that's that's and that's kind of the cool thing about it is like I don't need to go to to the, to the, you know, Bay Area in California to know that it's absolutely perfect. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you Google, you know, they, they're smart. It's not hard to recruit the weather there. I'm a huge weather guy. Like, that was for a sure. huge thing for me is, like, if you were north of the Mason-Dixon line, unless you're in California, I'm not I'm not going there. Like, I just, I just, I didn't care who called me. I, I, I told my coach, I was like, I'm not going anywhere north of here. Like, I'm not. And I was like, I pitched, you know, my two games this year was 34 degrees in one and 28 degrees in the other. And, like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, I, I 100% get it. My freshman year, when I went to Coastal Alabama, I'm 10 and a half hours south. Now I just signed with the University of Akron, and I'm 10 and a half hours north. <laughs> like, I'm two and a half hours from Canada. <laughs> okay, you do with Quentin Kajawa. 
That's my boy. Oh yeah, he was I grew, we grew up playing against each other too. He's, he lives about thirty minutes away. You need to get him in a weight room. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, we we joke about that with him all the time. God, man, that man. I mean, make him live with me over a summer one time. I need to do that. Make him eat. Uh, you get him on your. Get him you on, get him on your. Yeah, yeah, about four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. How'd, how'd you meet Quentin? Uh, we played against each other. At, he was at Lucy Clark. I was at John Wood. And then, you know, I followed him and make sure everything, you know, just kind of tracked him a little bit. And, you know, it's, it, it was definitely interesting. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of training do you do? Are you, are you like a, a driveline guy? Or are you any, doing any remote training with anybody? Uh, I'm not doing remote training with anybody. You know, that's one thing I like about Global is, like, you, if I wanted to work out with Global or throw with him, he'd make time no matter what. Um I'm a huge driveline guy. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm a huge driveline guy. Like I love using their tools and implementations of like arm path and stuff like that. And I use the plyo balls and you know when I I won't throw a baseball. I will not throw a baseball unless I do all my activation. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, because I, I had surgery. I'm not I'm not doing it again. You know, I, and if I get hurt, I want to be able to say I did everything that I'm supposed to do to this point, and I'll be able to live with myself. So like. I will not throw a ball unless I do everything. And that's just kind of the whole military mindset on me. See, I'm the same way about that because I missed almost the entire fall. I got hurt this last summer with my forearm flexors. And I had doctors tell me, like, if you would have thrown another day, your UCL probably would have gone. It's like, oh, shit. So I did rehab for that for, like, six months without throwing a ball. Had dry needling five days a week. Oh, yeah. It's it's just not a good time. No, I and that's something that I'll, I'll never like. I now I won't do it again. Yeah, it's like and now I can I can look down at my elbow every day and I just got a huge knot in it. So I was like, you got to work that out. I got to like I have to roll out lacrosse yeah, ball, lacrosse ball for like thirty minutes before I'm even touching a plyo. Yeah, and then, you know if I and for instance like St. Mary's recruiting me as a starter, I think um, it's kind of, kind of what we talked about. It's like you know, you said, how long does it take you to get ready? I was like. Well, you give me whatever time I have, I'll, I'll start early. It doesn't matter to me, but I'm rolling out for a while. Right. There was for like, so at Johnny Logan this year, like I was, I was just a reliever. I was like, kind of like later guy, kind of come in, close it up. Well, one day we were kind of like down on pitching. He's like, I come in in like the third or fourth inning yeah. and he's like, it's your game now. I get to the like the sixth or seventh, and I'm just like, damn, I haven't been a starter since I was in high school. And I'm just starting to feel it. I'm just like, damn. I'm starting to, like, I'm starting to feel everything go away. My fingers are like, oh, this isn't good. I threw, like, I threw six innings that day, and, like, I could not pick up a ball for, like, three days because I just was not used to that. I, I think the most I had thrown in an outing all year before that was, like, maybe 20 pitches, and I threw, like, like close to 70. Yeah. And I was like, Oof. arm's not ready for that one yet. Yeah, you probably didn't want to come out, though, either, that competitive edge. No, that, that's – I had given up – I only had given up a few hits, and I I was scoreless in those through five, and I come out for my final inning, and I walked a kid, gave up a hit, and then left one over the plate, and the kid hits a three-run shot. Those, and that ended up being the only three runs I gave up all year. And I was like – I was like, shit, one one pitch just ruined that one. Yeah, it's crazy how one pitch can make your stat line look a whole lot different than your actual outing. Yeah, like those are the those are like ended up being those the first three and the only three 
It's almost like a zero to like a three something and just like that. Oh yeah. It was <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. So I was I was even like I was like to ask this question to my other JUCO guys. What's the what's the most JUCO thing you've you've seen? The most JUCO thing I've seen. Yeah. Oh man. There's a couple. Okay, there's two. There's two I'm gonna go over because it's just hilarious. <laughs> So the first one is we traveled down to Mississippi my fresh or my my first year at Parkland. Um, I'm I'm traveling as the bullpen coach slash dugout hype man, <laughs> bullpen catcher slash dugout hype man. So like I'm I'm gonna catch bullpens down there, right? Okay. There. In the parking lot, there was nowhere to hook up J bands, and we wanted everybody to kind of get loose. So we have a bunch of guys holding each other's J bands while they do them instead of like a wall or a fence. And there's hold them in the parking lot. We're getting some crazy looks from people down there. It's Mississippi, and you know it, it's that. And <laughs> that night, we did the JUCO thing where everybody shares a freaking bed. Well, right. <laughs> there were six people in my room, and there was two beds. And a kid looks at me, and I look at him, and he looks back at me, and like everybody knows, like in my room, that I was like. They thought I was going to be the guy to be like, I'm, this fucking bed's mine. Nobody else right. is touching it. And then here comes Tynan Chihidi. He's like 5'7". He's like, Silk, he's like, you can take the bed, man. We'll take it to the floor. And I was like, nah. I was like, I'll take the floor. You all take the bed. I was like, I want something to complain about tomorrow. <laughs> and I just let our spineless little guy just hear about it, whoever, the guy who made the rooms, um, hear about how bad it was. And I made it seem so terrible, and it wasn't even that bad. That's funny. Oh yeah, it was absolutely hysterical for that um, that weekend. It was fun. Those those were probably the most some of the most juco things. I mean, there's some interesting stuff. Um, there's definitely more. I probably can't think of it right now. But there's there's some things you just do, and you're just like, wow, like that is a juco thing. There's so this when I went to coastal last year, we're in, we're the very bottom of Alabama, like very southern part of Alabama. And our bullpen is on the edge. It's like it's behind it's behind the left field fence. And it's from after the left field fence goes, it's just wooded area, high grass, a lot of poisonous snakes. <laughs> One day we got guys, we're getting ready for a game. We're we're pulling off the tarp on the mound. Get ready. And there's like four or five Copperheads just chilling. You open up, they're just scattering everywhere, and then you got some some dude from another kid on our team from South Alabama just going around there chasing one of the rake. That's probably one of the one of the bigger JUCO things I've I did encounter. And then right. this year, this year at John A, which we have, we're blessed at John A to have super nice facilities. And the only downfall to being a pitcher is when we have to go inside, we've got. The, we've got dimpled baseballs that we throw against the wall, a brick wall inside the gym. So you got 15, 20 guys flailing little rubber baseballs flying everywhere. It gets a little sketchy, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I just want to get smacked in the head. Dude, there's been a couple times where it's – you'll like there will be a little notch in the wall and it will bounce off and then hit something. Like <laughs> it's going absolutely crazy. Right. 
No, absolutely. Going off, going off that, had a couple rapid fire questions that I asked Noah Sharp the other day. So his one of his go-to questions is now that we're partnered with the JBB. So if you got yourself plus four people going, you can any any person of all time you get to go golf with. Yeah. Who you, who you got? All right. Well, obviously I'm gonna change it up. So I, I I I told him and I told him yesterday. I was like I told him. I talked to him yesterday on his. I oh, told he him, pulled it on you too, didn't he? I mean, so I can't, I'm not going to use the same ones. I'll use different ones. It was Kevin uh, Hart. It was Kevin Hart, Megan Fox, and Tom Hanks. Um, those are the ones I was going to go. So I'm going to change it up. Um, oh, I think um, Brad Pitt would be one. He plays in Fury. That's yeah. A, it's a tank movie, and his his role was my role in the Marines. So you know that's. I'm basically Brad Pitt now. Okay. A little so that, taller. That's right. <laughs> I'll take... Um, told Megan Fox. I'll take Summer Rae. Okay. For sure. <laughs> She's a new hit. Yeah. Know who she is. Check her out on Instagram. <laughs> Let me think. So I need two more? Yeah. So I did Kevin Hart last time. Um, I would say Ted from the movie Ted. <laughs> okay. He's a pimp. He's a pimp. Does that count, or do I need to have an actual human? No, I, I like it. It's different. Yeah, Ted. I can only imagine what he'd be saying to Summer Rae the entire time. <laughs> oh, shit. Dude, I like this one from... I got that. This is an answer. Like I, I genuinely would like to have an 18-hole conversation with Joe Exotic. Like, I am just so curious on how he became the way he was. Like, it's it's, it's insane. So I think those four would be an interesting, interesting little scramble. Speaking of Tiger King, Dude. how messed up was that? Dude, it was insane. It was absolutely nuts. I didn't realize people own tigers around here. I'm, I'm over here, you know, just thinking I'm living the normal life, and then I guess everything kind of goes in Florida, you know. But I, I, I looked it up like middle of the show. You can buy a tiger for two thousand dollars. Yeah. You mean like, Mike Tyson? You know. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, Hangover Part Two. <laughs> See, that'd be nuts. Like, I think I, found, I, I want a liger though. If I got if I got a exotic animal, it'd be a liger. Like, I found this website for exotic animals, and you got like. You got tigers going for two thousand. You got little chimpanzees. You got just different kinds of monkeys. I think we should get one. I'm I'm for it. I, I wouldn't mind having a little monkey. I want ones that like sits on your shoulder. You know. I had a friend that had a girl and uh, I was friends with in Alabama. She had so, like, two of them. Friend or like, just a friend that's a girl. Just a friend that's a girl. She had a monkey. Yeah, she had two of them. Shout out Brennan Howard. What's her yeah. name? Her name's Brennan. Oh, I thought you said that, that monkey's names are Brennan and Howard. I was like, what? <laughs> what kind of names are those? That's terrible. No, yeah. They, I mean, they wore diapers, and I mean, you they hold your finger, and your finger just looks massive to them. Yeah, those little ones that, the little ones that can, yeah, I, that's what, I want one of those. Like, you ever seen Night at the Museum? Yeah. That, that's, I want one like that. Like, I want one that I can teach to go do things, like a little baboo or whatever. Like, I forget what the commercial was for. But do you remember this dude was like taking steroids in this commercial? He's got this like miniature giraffe 
You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. He's taking steroids <laughs> in a, a commercial. Like this commercial, he's like working out, and they got like these steroids pumping into him, and then he's on this treadmill, and then like his his pet in this uh, commercial, he's got this giraffe, and it looks about like eight inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what I'm imagining. Like this monk, these monkeys being so small. Oh yeah, he might be a little pilot. Aries, my dog would love it. Play Yo, what's what's your dog's name? It's Aries, like A R E S. Yeah. So yeah, Aries Greek God of War, and that was the name of the like that was our nickname when I deployed to the Middle East was Aries. Okay. For Alpha Company, so A Aries. So it was it was it stuck. So you said your your job was were you a tank driver? Is that what you were? I was a tank. So I was, I deployed as a gunner, and I ended up being a tank commander when I was done. Um, so I was in charge of the tank. Um, it, it was an absolute blast. Um, talk about the most adrenaline rush things you could ever do is shooting at, <laughs> at something. How um, loud is that thing? It's loud. Hey, it's it's so loud. And when you're inside, it's loud. But you have you have you know both headphones on, helmet, and um, you know it's it's a lot of pressurization in there. And then um, it's it's, it's super loud when you're on the outside. Right. Here it, it's just the repercussions and everything. It, it's it's an absolute blast. It's 120 millimeter, so. You know, our artillery, wow. the thing they fire up in the air and land is 155, so it's not much not much smaller. It's an absolute it's an absolute blast. Wow. I could could not imagine being on the receiving end of that thing. Yeah, I don't think anybody really talks about it because they don't really <laughs> about it, I guess. <laughs> guys got jokes, yeah. <laughs> right. So with but, like what, yeah. once you got into the Marines, what was what was kind of your basic training like? Like boot camp? Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> they will call you every name in the absolute book. And they will talk about you and your family, your waste. You know, the hardest thing I ever did in the Marines was hold a washer I got in front of my face for like, like 40 minutes. It was so miserable. Straight out. Oh, yeah, just straight out. I'm telling you, you get it. Oh, yeah. It, it, dude, you got guys crying. This is like day two of boot camp. And, like, guys, you know, you can't hold the washer rag. You think you could be a Marine, like, just screaming. And, like, you lose your voice. And to us guys, like, I'm telling you, I, everybody talks about them getting shots that, like, prevent you to get, you know, you know, uh, it, like, it prevents you, like, to get hard and stuff like that. So it's like, dude, you don't even at all the entire time. Like, you don't even wake up, like – it, I'm telling you, it's like a whole new world. Like the amount of stress you're in, like every day. Like the first two weeks, I went to sleep with a headache. Woke up with a headache. But after that, like the last couple weeks, it was actually like you look back, it was kind of fun. Like you you started to be able to hear them when they yelled at people, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> Some of the funniest things you ever heard. And it was just like you just look back on it, and you're like, wow. Like I can't believe that guy said that. Do you so, ever have like any of that? Like that movie type thing where you got somebody yelling in your face and trying not to laugh or anything like that. Oh yeah, I mean, they're, well, they're yelling in your face, you're not laughing. But it's when they're yelling in someone else's face is when you start laughing. I laugh a lot, and that was a problem for me. And like, <laughs> it, it became like third phase. Like the last, you know, four weeks was was hard for me because dude, I started just fucking, I started laughing, and like. He was like, oh, God, oh, I was bad. It was so bad. Like, <laughs> some of the things they say, and it's just like, I, I can't remember that. Like, did you, 
Did you ever just start just busting out laughing, or are you just like chuckling, like just trying yeah, to hide? Chuckling, but if they see you like they saw you laughing, oh, it's funny. Oh, it's funny. Like and they come over there and they kill you, and it's just like ah, bless. I about I thought I was gonna die at the gas chamber. I swear to God. And, oh, I, I've heard I've had buddies that have been in the Marines talk about that. Like, I could walk in a gas chamber right now with no mask on, and I'd be fine. But like. And I'd be able to come out like perfectly fine, but like they took my mask, they took my seals out, and like, because I, I was a squad leader for a little bit, and like, dude, I got my, I came out with a, I got busted up. I tried to run out, dude. I, because you put your mask on, you could breathe, like you think you think you're gonna breathe clean air, and it's not. And dude, oh my god, it just felt like I was gonna die. So and like, it rough, it like, you're, like so you're saying now, like you'd be good, like. Oh yeah, now now you just take short short quick breaths, and you'll be fine. As long as you start coughing, you'll be all right. So is there, is there was there anybody like there that had like trained for that? Trained what? Like is there anybody is there any way like going into base that you'd be able to train for that gas chamber? Yeah, I mean not really. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things where you just kind of experience it, I guess. They they make you take your mask off and they make you say your social security number and make you say something in the Marine Corps orders or something and they put your mask on and then you're done. So it's as bad as it sounds. It's not as bad as people. It's not as bad now as from what I do. Um, like I did it again a couple times, like in, in the in the fleet. You know, we did it, but like it was definitely, you know, they're not they're not in your face screaming at you. You know, so it right. was a little less, little less uh, crazy, hectic. Did you ever have like, so when you're overseas, did you ever have like anything like come up that was super crazy, like where you have the any like anything with the gas stuff like that ever again, like in a real situation? No, not in a real situation. I I got gassed, and I was really pissed about this. I got gassed twice in, in the same, you know, in the field op. Because they what they do is they tell you that there's there's gas, gas, gas like opportunities, and what it does is it makes you take training a little more seriously. Well, I was I just woke up. The sun, you know, you wait, you know, we get, we did talk to wake up before the sunrise. So we're up right when the sun hits. You know, I'm up. Once the sun hits, I get my toothbrush. I start brushing my teeth. And then here come these freaking gas, gas canisters. And I got absolutely smoked. I'm trying to brush my teeth. You know, I got toothpaste all up in my mouth. It tastes like CS gas. Like, it was just, I was not, I was cussing them out. I was not happy. And then I gassed again the same day, and I was pissed. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, I was not happy. Um like was it plan? Like they had planned it, or was it like a joke? Yeah, it's like, it's like a planned attack. Like when during training, like a big plan attack, and you know it's supposed to, it's supposed to like act as like nerve agents or whatever. And we would have died for sure. I'd have died brushing my teeth if it was real <laughs> gas. Like it was just CS gas, and it doesn't really do any harm to you. It just sucks. Right. But yeah, I could I could definitely see why you'd be pissed there. Oh, I was hot. And then. I had it again that day, and my my loader, he uh, I was a tank commander, and he was my he was next to me. He couldn't find, couldn't get to his gas mask, and he, I thought he was dying. It was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I had to like go down there and like I had my mask on, I had to give it to him, and he was just like pounding his chest, he couldn't breathe. I I wouldn't even know what to do. like right now. If somebody came in here with the ass and just I'd probably just honestly I'd, before I'd probably just. Just sit here and be like, what the fuck just happened? And then just, it would hit me and be like, oh shit, it's gas. 
Yeah, I know. You just short, quick little breaths and you'll get it. But uh, it's, you know, and people wonder, like, why I don't really bother, you know, when guys are on base because I've been gassed while brushing my teeth before. So, <laughs> so is that the key to staying, staying under, staying uh, within the pressure in baseball, just getting gassed while you're brushing your teeth? Yeah, you start throwing CS gas at pitchers if they can't do what they're supposed to do, and then you'll have some guys become dogs on the mound. Noted. <laughs> Probably <It's> my, <laughs> hopefully my uh, pitching coach at Akron is not listening to this episode, and here's that. Right. So. <laughs> I'll just start implementing that. Yeah, Coach McKinney, do not get any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start like lead off ladder, you get walk a lead off hitter, and you just throw you just lob a canister out there. You won't do it again, dude. I'll tell you what. Last year, my freshman year in Alabama, we had, I mean, there were some crazy, crazy fucking rules, and we had these things called the sins of the game. It was only for the pitchers, right? So, you walk a guy. You got. We had this huge hill behind our field. You walk a guy. You got a hill. Give up an 0-2 hit. You go three. You got, you got a hill. You go three two o two, or o two to three two. You got a hill. Make an error. You got a hill. Like there was like a list of like fifteen different things, and then he would wait till we got about like fifty to sixty, and then be like, oh yeah, you guys got to run your hills now. And when you're playing not good baseball at the time, it's as a whole staff it gets. It gets bad. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I could. I can definitely imagine that. But doing, yeah, doing anything, playing bad baseball just sucks, and then everything else kind of gets added onto it. Like that's that's yeah. definitely a good morale booster there. It's the thing, like, like if we're, if like, it would have been like if we were playing good overall as a team, like nobody says anything about the hills. Right. But if I, like, if you guys are going on a losing streak or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, if we run, we're gonna get better. Love that mindset. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. That's the one thing I've never, never understood. But, yeah, we're, we're going to run until we get better. Yeah. Only thing about running that I'd say is, like, I'd like to talk to the person who thinks that if you can run faster or good distance that you're in good shape because I'd like to talk to that person. <laughs> right. Because, guys, I am not built to run anymore. <laughs> So, like, the, the only thing, like, even, like, right now with this quarantine, like, running on, like, I'm doing, like, short sprints, like, short little bursts, like, distance is not an option. Right. My knees, I ran, I ran so many miles in my life, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I should do it again. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that a big part of your basic as having to run? Basic in the Marine in general, like, I probably ran 10 to 15 miles a week in the Marines. Like, I was in for five years, so it was... There's a lot of miles on my legs, shin splints. Yeah. Oh my god. So it was definitely something you got used to. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely um, something that became like part of you. And I, I thought I was in great shape, but I'm in better shape now. And I don't even run now, really. I do. Really? Some, I do some sprint work and you know explosive jumps and stuff like that, but not not running miles anymore. I know you like always hear about like how hot it is in the middle east was is that a big factor being over there it was it was at the time i thought it was really bad um it was like 110 for like two weeks straight but it was dry heat and i would take that over this weather it is 40 degrees outside right now i would rather be in 110 
in 40 degrees. And I, I, I uh, you know, that's something that I, I really became a fan of is the dry heat. That's one thing I had to get super adjusted to. Like, Down there. My, my, yeah, like it's 100% humidity every day. And like our first couple practices in August, I'm like, everybody else is just barely sweating. And like, it, I mean, it was mid to upper 90s. And they're just used to it. I'm over here. I'm going through shirts and cramping up. Like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> right. No, I, you sweat, start sweating through them and everything. I, I just didn't wear a shirt underneath my uniform. Every breeze felt amazing. You know, I, I, I found ways that were doing it. And you take that flak jacket off and it that air hits you. It's so nice. It's a great oh, okay. feeling. I bet. Best feeling in the world. Even better than, like, going to your bed after, like, a long road trip. Like, it's definitely the best feeling. So, transitioning back into kind of baseball, what do you, you have, uh, do you have kind of, kind of like, you said we were talking about, like, with your, your protocols before you throw, what is kind of your routine on game day? Game day starts probably an hour. Well, I mean, it starts actually, like, two days before the game. I don't do anything with my arm the day before. You know, I, I don't like having any doing with it. I kind of just rest. I stretch out. I do all my stuff, my mobility. I do my rolling out the morning, like before my game. The day of the day that so that 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 day, the day before, I'll have a, like a huge carb meal at like lunch, like around lunchtime. Uh, it's like pasta, and I usually just eat as much as I can. And then that night, I'll have like a really lean meal. Um, whether it's chicken or if it's beef or steak or something along those lines. And it helps me kind of just get as much energy as I can for the next day. So the next day, like the, day, the game day, I wake up, have a good breakfast, good lunch, or whatever time the game is, and I get there about an hour, 30, hour 45. I'll roll out, you know, 30 minutes. And then at an hour, I start doing all my my plyos. Um, you know, for 30 minutes, I do all uh, up to like 30 minutes before game time. That's when I start throwing baseballs. Um, so I do my plyos for 30 minutes. All my, my wrist weights, uh, Jaeger bands, um, all my stretching and everything is already done. Then I go with my, my weighted ball throws. And then I do like I do nine seven five. And whenever I do that, I just go into um, arc toss. I arc toss all the way out. On the way down, on the way back, I'll pull down with the five ounce, and then I'll pull down two or three times with a four ounce, and then. I hop up on the mound. Once. So you go. So you're going overload, underload on game day too, right? Overload, underload on game day too. Yeah, I've never, I've never, I've never tried that one before. I like it. I think it's my arm moving fast, and I, I just like the feeling of it. It's just a habit I picked up, and you know, I, I like it. Um, anytime I pull down, I try to do underload. So, it's definitely. So I, what's kind of your? Here, go ahead. I, yeah, it's like overload out, and then on the way in, I underload it a little bit. I gotcha. So, like overall, as a as a pitcher, what's kind of your philosophy on getting guys out? Oh, I'm gonna fill it up. I, you know, I think you get guys out. You know, I want to strike everybody out. I mean, I think that's the thing too. You know, I don't pitch to get hit. That's for sure. I mean, I don't think any pitcher should get pitched to get hit. Um, you know, I think. Johnson, with I don't remember what team he was on. He was on that ABCA thing. He said every pitch you should, every pitch you throw, you should expect an out. And I love that philosophy. Um, so basically, what it is is like I'm just gonna grab the ball. I'm gonna throw it as hard as I can, or I'm gonna give the best pitch every single time and and try to you know if they hits it a weak ground ball, which happens a lot, you know, there's that. And then you know, 
So just basically just attacking the hitters, I guess, would be my philosophy on it. I don't I don't like nibbling. I don't like doing any of that. You know, it's it's one of those things where you just fill it up and you know you get ahead in the count, and then then they have to hit your pitch. And I, I think that's where I thrive at. You know, are you, are you a guy that likes to try to dominate with the fastball, or you kind of slider guy, or what you got? I I like. I mean, I'll, th- I'll throw my slider a couple different ways. Like, I have two ways that I throw. I have one with more depth, and I have one that's a lot faster and a lot sharper. So, you know, I, I got an 84 one, and it, it comes through pretty good. And then you got one that's, you know, 78, 80, 80 and it's got a lot of depth. And, you know, you know, you know I'll, I'll, you know, start off – I like start off like, you know, breaking balls early, um, get into that, and then you bust a fastball in, and after you, you go breaking ball – you know, you got them zero two, and they don't know what to think's coming. You know, you don't, they don't expect to go breaking ball, fastball in like that. And then you might, you know, if it's a lefty, I might go, you know, change up way out, and then I might mm-hmm. do slider way down, and they don't chase, and I just elevate, you know, fastball, come back up with a fastball, and you know, a lot of times they kind of go after it. This year, I was having a little hard time. Um, I had a really tight strike zone one time I threw, and. Um, but the next time it was a lot of, a lot of breaking balls were, were, was really working for me. So I, you know, yeah, I have, I have a nice little fastball and it's, it's true and it's got good, um, spin efficiency. So it's, it rides, it rides pretty high. Um, right. but I really kind of pitch off of my off speed too. Yeah. I, I know, I noticed you brought up the spin efficiency. Are you a, are you a big data guy just looking like the pitch attributes and Ooh. getting the, I don't get too wrapped up into it like some people do. Um, I like to learn about it. I need to learn about it. Like I, I like to ask questions. And I like to learn about it. So as much as I know, you know, I know spin efficiency for me is more relevant than the spin rate. Right. Like if it rides higher, rides true. Like that's what I want. I don't want to cut the ball. I don't want to you know have it sinking on me. You know, so like when I throw a high efficiency fastball up in the zone, it's they're gonna have a hard time with it. So what is your uh, spin efficiency? From your fastball compared to your slider, I don't know my slider one because I, I didn't get to really throw too much on it. Um, but my fastball it was 98, 99 efficiency, um, and it was just it just rode hot. It just it just rode um, pretty pretty good um, a pretty good line. My slider, yeah, I don't I don't know my sliders uh, numbers and whatnot. I'd have to even look that up. I don't for that I don't really get too too locked into it. Um, just because like, I can just see it and I feel it. But I, I definitely – it's something I need to definitely do and kind of get better relation with is that. Yeah, for sure. So, like, when you're when you're going through, are you, are you more of an over-the-top kind of guy? Or are you three-fourths? Um, I'm kind of – I'm over the top, but I'm not. I'm not quite three-fourths. But, I, I mean, I'm um, – yeah, I'm, I'm pretty – I'd say I'm over the top. I got you. It's – I'm not like super over the top. Like I just feel like that's a generic arm slot that I have. Mm-hmm. But it's like I hide the ball really well because of my climb. How I how I climb when I go into my motion is hitters have a hard time seeing it. So, would you say? So would you say going to a game if you got you got a o two or let's go put this way you got three two count game on the line bases loaded. What's your what's your go to pitch? What are you most comfortable with? We got a righty or a lefty. Let's go righty. Righty, three two. Yeah. Good hitter. Let's four hole. Four hole. 
oh, he's getting a slider for sure. And I, I have the absolute confidence that if it's a righty, I'm throwing a slider. If it's a lefty, I'm throwing a changeup. Yeah. I know for me, I'm going slider both both sides. Lefty, righty, I'm throwing the slider. I threw- Obviously, it depends on everything else going into that. If I, if I went back-to-back sliders, then I might, you know, turn up his volume a little bit with a fastball. Right. It for sure would not be a fastball low in the zone. It'd be fastball up. Right, for sure. Especially, like, I know for me, I think this year I threw, like, 72% sliders. It was, like, something ridiculous. Yeah. Because, like, like, I pitch off my slider. Like, my slider is my main pitch, and then I'm, my fastball, my changeup are kind of my secondary there. Yeah. Which I mean, is, I feel like it's unconventional for a lot of guys, but works for me. Well, it's unconventional because a lot of guys, you know, if you if you're a good pitcher in college baseball nowadays, it's almost like you have at least you have two at least, or you have three pitches or more that you can throw for strikes. And I think that's it takes away if you can't throw, you know, you see guys with nasty breaking balls and they, it's like wow, that's so sick, but he's never thrown it for a strike. It's like well, I just won't swing at it. So you know, it's it's completely different. It's an equi- uh It's definitely an equalizer if you can throw three. Yeah, and then you got guys like. Reed Detmer's just throwing absolute bangers from the left side. Yeah, I talked to him with Luke about you know about all that, and you know he's throwing five pitches for strikes from the left side, and it's like what is going on? It's like you don't even know what to look for at that point. Yeah, like you you, you don't hit that hard often. Yeah, like, not at all. If you're throwing five pitches for strikes, sitting mid nineties, about to get a fat check. <laughs> <laughs> So, kind of just going into wrapping things up. If you guys are wanting to know more about Anthony, you can check him out on his YouTube channel. You can type in Anthony Silkwood, or you can type in his show Dinner with Don. He's got, I believe, he's got two episodes out now. Is that right? Yeah, two uh, two episodes out. We're gonna be continuing it a little bit and starting up to do a little more and kind of reaching out with the audience, uh, reaching out with whoever you're on and whatnot too. So it's gonna be interesting. Yep. Like I mentioned earlier, you can find him on Twitter at SilkwoodAnthony and on Instagram at Silk underscore Wood5. And if you, you got anything else you want to add on top of that with your socials there? Uh, no, I mean, I appreciate it. Um, definitely. Um, I definitely had a good time talking to you today. It is, it's definitely interesting, you know, junior college and talking to different guys who play it. And it, it's fun hearing from players because you, you, you think you, you look at things differently and you see things differently. So it's always fun to talk to another player about baseball. Um, For sure than it is a coach because you relate a little different. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you making the time to come on and hopefully be able to get on your show, Dinner with Don. Absolutely. Get you. Get a good meal cooked up there. Dude, I'm telling you. Wait wait till I, wait till I get a guy who has some fast food junk and I'm going to start roasting him. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to roast him the entire time I see him. <laughs> be like, you piece of shit. What are you doing with your body? It's, it's going to be a kid with a $5 fill-up box from Taco Bell and I'm just going to him. Yeah, but, that'll be. I hope that's soon. I I need some entertainment. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I roasted some kid. I roasted a guy this last one, so it's gonna be fun. It'll be good. The one you just posted? Yeah, the one I just posted. I roasted with a roommate of mine. Pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if you ever checked that out. No. I I appreciate having you on, man. And for our guys listening out there, this is Anthony Silkwood, going on to St. Mary's College in California. I appreciate it. Signing off.